0: Hey everybody, Tyler Suiters with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owners and producers of CES, which is, as you know, the most influential tech event on the planet. We want you to be CES ready for 2019. The show is coming up January 8th to 11th, as always, in Las Vegas. And you know CES is the global stage for innovation, right? Did you know that this is also the largest startup event on the planet? Yeah, 1,200-plus startups will be there for CES 2019. This includes the tech startups, but also think about the influence the global companies have and that we'll be visiting Eureka Park, where all these startups call home during CES. Yes, these companies are launching products, they're building brands, but there's also a remarkable opportunity for synergy for growing and developing partnerships between these global brands and brand new entrepreneurs and innovators who are just trying to break into the market. So with that as our focus today, we are going to bring you, first of all, a Fortune 125 company, one that is focusing on building partners and growing startups. And also, you'll hear from a funding platform, you'll know this company, that is connecting innovators and venture capital all around the world. Today, a focus on startups at CES 2019. Matt Anderson is Senior Vice President and also Chief Digital Officer with Aero Electronics, and he has an interesting view uh, from his position on the startup world. And Matt, it's great to have you with us today.
1: It's great to be here. So let's,
0: let's dive right in. What are the current trends you're tracking right now in the startup world?
1: You know, we, we see a lot of startups here at Arrow because we have an exclusive partnership with Indiegogo where we looked at over 10,000 new companies with great ideas, innovative mindsets, and, you know, looking to build that next business just in the last 12 months. And we see a number of really interesting things going on. The first one is you know, we've been really impressed with the amount of, that these emerging companies are able to do with just the power of the internet, giving them access to so many resources that big companies have. You can have a product idea, you don't have to have software developers, you don't have to have hardware developers, you don't really have to have anything except for what you think is core to your business actually as employees of your business and still bring amazing products with great customer experiences to life. So I think the the big thing we're seeing is just the incredible amount that really new companies are able to get done so much faster than ever before. And you're seeing it I think also in the world of just, you know, large mergers and acquisitions where companies like Google and Amazon and Apple are acquiring these fantastic ideas that sort of reach that proof of concept stage. They kind of get out and prove commercial success. And then, you know, the companies that we've worked with in the past, like Ring and others, have you know, been acquired you know, by significant players in the valley and the broader tech ecosystem, where they sort of apply their brand, apply their distribution, make their product a part of their overall ecosystem, and then get it out in the market. So, I really think that this this diffused expertise or this access to federated capability is is a huge trend right now in the startup world. I think the other thing that we're really seeing is you know, a lot of the startups or the entrepreneurs, and and I would say even startups in the world of, of large companies, right, uh, innovation groups, R&D groups, mm-hmm. they're really trying to figure out how they can get the cash register to go from beside the product, in other words, you buy the product one time, to in the product, meaning we're really trying to figure out how can I monetize an ongoing relationship or a customer experience that I'm delivering to my customer, and instead of just purchasing at one time, it's really earning that business via great delivery of value proposition and experience every single day for your customers. So those are, I think, two of the big trends right now, moving the needle for valuations. They're moving for the needle for how companies are setting themselves up. They're moving the needle for... You know, what you can think about as an entrepreneur in terms of what your starting team needs to
0: look like. Boy, that second point is especially fascinating about the internal cash register. But I want to I rewind a little bit, Matt, to the beginning of your answer, and I don't want to gloss over the number you threw out there. So you all and Indiegogo have looked at 10,000 startups in the last 12 months. Uh, <laughs> that's a little bit mind-bending. What does that process look like? What are you, what are you mining in there?
1: Yeah, so you know, when we originally launched actually at CES, our partnership with Indiegogo, the idea was this. Arrow has thousands of design engineers, electronic engineers, software engineers, architects, and oftentimes you have an innovator that has a great idea, but they have one area that they've got maybe very deep expertise in, and to bring today's products to life, you really have to have expertise across a wide array of capabilities from hardware to software, reverse logistics compliance, data management, security, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so the thought was, you know, what if we were able to take these fantastic, motivated entrepreneurs that are innovating and connect them with the resources of a Fortune 113 company and go through a free design consultation where we're looking at bill of materials, schematics, architectures, how people are thinking about bringing their idea to life, and then we could give them some advice and then the second part of the program was not only would that be valuable for the entrepreneur, but it would be actually valuable for the people that are doing crowdfunding because they would know that a company like Arrow has taken a look at the product. And while we're not experts on whether or not a product is going to succeed you know, with, uh, with consumers, we are experts on whether or not the product is technically feasible. And so we began to give out these badges to campaigns that said Arrow is technology certifying this project. In other words, we've seen that there's a prototype, or we've seen there's a build of materials that can actually function, and you know that this product can in fact be brought to life. And so, because of that, uh, you know, it's been an opt-in process at Indiegogo. So this was not an opt-out. And over 10,000 companies uh, have opted into the program because they said we really want to have access to this, you know, design advice, these architectural consultations, et cetera, and uh, you know, we in Indiegogo have done some interesting research that says you're likely to raise about two times more money if you go through a process of certification with Arrow because the community will know that your idea isn't just a great idea. Great ideas are really a dime a dozen. It's great ideas that can be executed that are valuable.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great point. And, and what a proof to to sell that you're, you have the potential to uh, or the likelihood to double you know, your VC raised. Uh, going through a process like this. Well, with with that in mind, Matt, what is it that Arrow is looking for in a startup? Is it about innovation? Is it about the leadership team and the feel you get from them? Or is there heavy weight put on proof of performance, the fact that you're confident something can get to the market or maybe is already in the market?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, Arrow doesn't invest itself in startups, but we invest our resources, we invest our supplier relationships, our expertise in making companies successful with their idea. Because Arrow, we succeed when someone else's technology succeeds and they buy componentry, software, hardware, or services from us. And the only way that's going to happen is if their company is a successful company, right? So when we think about what we're looking for in terms of the customers that um, you know are bringing ideas to reality, I think the first thing we always are looking for is entrepreneurs, innovators, uh, imagineers that have passion because this, this stuff is really difficult. Uh, you know, we've done some very interesting research, again, because we saw the 10,000 companies last year. We actually launched a survey, which is really we've titled Inside of Eric called The Mind of the Innovator. And it's looking at what are some of the big trends that are happening inside of people that are doing innovation. And one of the pieces that you see inside of that is that a massive amount of the original componentry software configuration that goes into an idea changes by the time it finally comes out uh, as a finished good or a finished product that ultimately gets to consumers. And so if you think about that journey of going from a great idea, a proof of concept, maybe a first run, starting to get something out to a group that a crowdfunded you, and then getting ready to scale something in the thousands or even millions of units range, you're really going to be walking across a pretty iterative process. Um, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to fail a lot. You're going to learn from your failures, hopefully. And so if, you're, if your leader doesn't have a lot of passion around that, um, you know, it's, it's not just fun. It's not just making a website. It's not just making a brand. It's not just saying, you know, that I have this great idea. It's, it's really about that passion to sort of see it through. Um, so I think about companies like opkicks as an example. We work very closely with Lawrence Greaves, who's the CEO of Opkicks. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen this product, but it's a really fantastic little product. It's it's sort of like um, AirPods, but they are video cameras that go inside of a little container, and they allow you to shoot real-time video of what's happening around you uh, in a very non-intrusive way. And it's not so much focused on sports as it is on focus on lifestyle. Hmm. We've worked very closely with Lawrence for a long time and his team, and, you know, as as I very first met Lawrence about a year ago, I just see the journey he's gone on now to really get this product out in the market. And I think about, you know, his passion has really fueled that company for it, has driven them, and they're learning, and they have a fantastic product that's coming out here uh, shortly. And so, you know, for us, that first piece is passion. I think the second piece is, you know, what is the ecosystem that you're involved in? If you're just you know, highly focused on Silicon Valley and bringing in all your own resources, you know, that is a model that can work for some companies. But I call that the blockbuster model of innovation, meaning, you know, you're trying to put out the next blockbuster movie uh, of innovation. But if you're really trying to iterate, learn, and grow in the market at a sustainable and reasonable pace, um, you know, surrounding yourself with partners, uh, companies like Aero Engineering Design Houses, software houses, even marketing and other kinds of agencies, I think that's really a key ingredient as to whether or not companies ultimately succeed. Because the more resources you bring into your company, the more you have to raise capital. And it's still, if you look at the data that we've seen in our surveys, the number one challenge for companies is still they can't get access to enough money to really go through the journey that they need to go on. And I think if you have an ecosystem of partners who can supplement where you have expertise with their own expertise, you don't have to put all that on your payroll. And instead, you're know, you you have uh, you're able to leverage the benefit and the scale of companies around you that know things that you don't know, and that know how to do things that you can't do in order to deliver a great product.
0: Well, let's talk about that insight for a moment, Matt. And... You mentioned that this is a survey, but the big takeaway is that companies' number one problem with startups is getting access to capital. Um, yep. Could you dive more deeply into that? What else have you learned from, from those responses and potential, uh, potential solutions there?
1: You know, what's interesting is kind of number two and number three are they have problems with prototyping, and mm-hmm. then the third one is they essentially have problems going from prototype to scale what's interesting about that is we we've been digging under the hood of that answer which is i my biggest challenge is money right that's what the entrepreneurs are saying right and what we find is it's not actually with the initial raise many people can raise the capital they need to get there and whatever it is that they thought in their business plan they needed but the problem is that the business plans turn out to be woefully inadequate or inaccurate or just difficult to estimate, I mean, let's let's be honest, right? Like, it's hard to know what it's going to take to bring an idea to reality. And so what we found is that really the reason that entrepreneurs and innovators are saying that they're running out of money or there are difficulties in sourcing money isn't that they can't source the money early on. It's that they need a lot more than they thought they would need because, of the difficult journey of going through, you know, building out like a PCB board for the first time or doing a schematic diagram or contracting with an engineering firm to do some design engineering around a part of a sub-assembly that you may or may not know about. And so, you know, when we look at that, we realize like part of that is definitely getting access to money, but it's really actually around how can I bring more expertise in so that I can use my money better and mm-hmm. I can make it go further, right? And I can use it when I'm really ready to scale. Cause what you want to be using your money is, if you're an entrepreneur is in, how do you go and drive market adoption of your product? You'd like to keep your R and D costs and your costs around developing your product as low as you can. Cause that's the speculative part of the venture for most companies. So, You know, I think crowdfunding companies like Indiegogo and others have been extraordinary in providing new kinds of access to capital. Certainly the fact that interest rates have been low and private equity and venture capital has been in. And then now, um, you know, if you look at the way that crowdfunding has moved into even equity crowdfunding, which is a relatively new phenomenon, I think, um, and ICOs, these kinds of things, they're absolutely changing the way that companies are able to get money. But, you know, it remains the challenge as to what the companies are able to do with the money, meaning how do you turn it into product? How do you turn it into idea? How do you turn it into reality? I think that's the real challenge that we're seeing. Um, It's almost like one of these things where you say one thing, but what you really mean is, I need more money because this is harder than I thought, and I need help to get it to be a reality.
0: Hmm. Well, one place to get a lot of those answers, of course, is, is CES, because the entire community is there, from the sharpest startups in the world to venture capitalists are looking for their next major project. What are you at Arrow looking for at, at, at CES 2019? What's your strategy for finding it <laughs> once you get there? I mean, it's it's the world's largest startup event with more than a thousand startups. How do you navigate? Uh, how do you game plan? And, and how do you measure success, man?
1: Yeah, well, you know, our strategy is pretty simple. Arrow is the easiest way to create, make, and manage technology in the world. If you have an idea and it's on a piece of paper or a napkin, you can bring it to us and we can help you make it a reality and make millions of it. And we span the whole spectrum from hardware all the way to software and security and even taking technology out of the market so it doesn't pollute the world. And our, our strategy is let's put that message in front of and in the same location as the innovators, the R&D groups and the startups there in Eureka Park and show how we've worked with other companies, so that you know people that are passionate about their ideas are going to be bringing them to Arrow, and saying, hey, you know, can you help me take this to the next level or the next step? And we're we're going to be there. We're bringing engineers. We're bringing security experts. We're bringing solution architects. I mean, we are bringing actually, I would say, a microcosm of our entire capability as a platform to make technology reality. Uh, to CES to do live design consultations with startups and, and innovators. One of the things that we said we really want to do at CES is to issue the challenge, bring us your most difficult IoT projects or your most difficult IoT problems. We're going to have all the technical resource of Arrow there to solve them live so you can experience you know, what it is to really go through this journey with Arrow in terms of an easy place to create, make, and manage technology.
0: So what then, Matt, can a startup do to stand out in your mind at CES? All these great offerings that Arrow has, but you need to get in, in, in front of your company. You need to get your attention, right? What do you do as a startup?
1: Yeah, so I think it really depends on where you are in your journey as a startup. You know, like I said before, I really think that great ideas, innovative concepts, I mean, that's where the magic is. But in many ways, it's a little bit like... Whether you bring a great idea, that that's not the thing that separates you at CES. There's a lot of fantastic, really innovative things. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times that I've been to CES and just walk out with, you know, my jaw open saying, <laughs> there's, there's so much innovation that's happening here, and there's so many great ideas. But you know, isn't that an interesting thing? There are so many great ideas, and so few of those great ideas really hit the shelves on Main Street or the shelves on the Internet, Right. And so I think what separates companies is actually the ecosystem that they bring that says, listen, not only do I have a great idea, but I've got, I've got prototypes developed or I have production in place and I am going to be commercially able to sell these in a reasonable horizon that is believable. And so I think it's when you see the great idea, but you've got you know, a team that's focused on scale as well. That's what I think makes uh, someone stand out at CES because, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of people where, where I said, that is fantastic. Um, you know, how do you plan to, to really ramp this up and get it on the shelves in, in, you know, one of the big, big, big box retailers, you know, on one of the internet retailers. And again, you know, they kind of say, well, we we don't really know that yet. Right. Or we can only make a thousand of these every 40 weeks. Well, that, that isn't really going to work. Right. So, Hmm. I think it's, um, you know, for me, standing out is I've got a plan to scale, I've got a plan to grow. And obviously, always, at CES, you need to be about engaging experiences. I mean, you know, technology is something you can feel, it's something you can touch, it's something you can experience. So if you want to stand out, you need to think about how do I help others feel, touch, and experience the product, the experience, the uh, service that I'm delivering – because that's what really endears people to your brand, to your idea. It isn't about um, you know a video of it. It's about people really kinesthetically experiencing your product and your company. And I think that's what winning companies do at CES. All
0: right, startups, Aero Electronics. Has your answers at CES and obviously has an immense amount of passion for the startup world as well. Matt Anderson, Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer with Aero Electronics. Thanks again, Matt. We'll see you in Las Vegas.
1: I'll see you in Vegas.
0: All right, so Matt was talking earlier about Aero's partnership with Indiegogo, and this is a means of giving entrepreneurs a platform to launch new. In groundbreaking products and what better place to do so than at CES so joining me now is John Vasquez he is vice president of hardware outreach at Indiegogo and a proud CES veteran John great to have you with us
1: oh pleasure to speak with you Tyler
0: so I know you know the startup and entrepreneurial uh, sectors especially well what's catching your attention right now in in many ways I think there's never been a better time to try a startup
1: Yeah, no, I I 100% agree there. There's a lot of innovation happening in this space. Uh, We see it every day on our platform. A whole bunch of different entrepreneurs are coming to us with their different ideas. Uh, Things that have been really uh, happening right now is really a lot of uh, personal health uh, categories that we've seen perform well, with indoor exercise becoming a much bigger portion of people's lives with uh, Peloton and some other products that are out there. Uh, We personally just had Hydro. It's one of our bigger campaigns that launched where uh, it's just a simple rowing machine that is in someone's house that has an interactive screen attached to it uh, and is performing super well. And those are things that we are seeing do uh, very well on the platform. Uh, also looking we, our customers are looking for uh, things that are giving them more data about their everyday life uh, on the health side. So there was a campaign that just happened called Lumen uh, that was sort of a simple device that you breathe into every morning. And it tells you about your calorie intake, things that you should be doing to help uh, lose weight or to uh, improve your overall physique. Uh, So the things that we're seeing that are doing super well, Uh, adding to that is uh, a lot of e-vehicles that are out there are doing very uh, well as well. So when we're looking at uh, different e-bikes and things like that on the platform with uh, cities becoming much smarter and people trying to get around in a much more efficient way, We've seen products uh, really resonate with our audience, and a lot of entrepreneurs are really uh, seeing great feedback on them in terms of both funds and feedback uh, from their camp uh, from their contributors uh, to their campaigns.
0: Well, part of the reason, John, I say it seems like there's never been a better time to enter the startup sector is because there's n- it it again seemingly from the outside looking in, and and I welcome your perspective. It's never been easier, or at least there've never been more methods or platforms or means of getting capital into startup businesses. And you all are critical to that.
1: Yes, that is something that we are helping to break down some of those barriers uh, that used to be in place uh, before uh you know platforms such as ours were around. Uh you know, if you were an entrepreneur, you would have to try to get into a whole bunch of different big box retail platforms, which are great, uh but obviously that is just kind of a gatekeeper that is in between the entrepreneur and actually getting final sales by being able to go direct to consumer uh, is a great way to validate that market. Obviously, it cuts down on the overall overhead that's going on there. It gives them feedback at a much earlier clip, uh, which is great for all the things that they're looking for. And if they're looking to do uh, some kind of VC raise or whatever else they need in terms of capital, they they use uh, campaigns on our platform to really show that validation. Uh, So then they could actually show that their sales and demand instead of just uh, trying to plead your case and try to get that uh, moved forward. You actually have hard data, which has helped out significantly uh, when it comes to PC capital, big box retail conversations, and everything in between where uh, campaigners have a much more direct line to their end consumer and have a lot uh, firmer data that they can then share to help out with everything else when it comes to creating physical products for the end consumer.
0: So maybe we've already answered this to some degree, John, but how is the sector evolving in your mind? Um, Is it easier or harder to succeed today? And (laughs) I don't think that's an easy question to answer. I'll I'll toss it out there to start. Um, And I would posit that it's, in many ways it is easier, as we said, because of the funding, because of the lightning fast speed of innovation that's out there. But Uh, know, by the same token, it's more difficult because there are more opportunities and there is so much steep competition right now.
1: Yeah, I would see it in a very similar light where it has become a lot easier uh, because obviously there's now a lot of data based upon previous campaigns that have gone on there where there's much more of a formula that is in place where Mm -hmm. you need to build up uh, an audience, need to have people there that are ready to come and purchase day one. You really need to start working on a lot of your manufacturing before that goes in there, and we help out our campaigners through some of our partnerships that we have, such as the one with uh, Arrow Electronics and uh, Ingram Micro, which helps out on the shipping side, where they could really engage with our partners prior to launch or they could start getting feedback on, you know, is their bomb going to be something that lasts long term? Mm -hmm. Do they have any feedback they're going to need? All that stuff that is super critical to making a product uh, deliver as close to on time and know a lot more about it. But obviously there's the other end of that where, now consumers on our platform are much more uh, knowledgeable as well, where they've now, you know, look into, look into the campaign pages a lot deeper, are seeing what the actual uh, insights to the uh, products are, uh, and are asking more pointed questions uh, that are in there before mm-hmm. they're willing to then contribute their hard-earned money. So what we're seeing is entrepreneurs come to our platform that have a lot more knowledge that are in there, or a lot further down the pipe to actually making their product. Uh, that are in there, and also coming up with better go-to-market strategies that obviously we're working with them on to help fine-tune so that when they actually do put their product out there for sale on our platform, they are enabling their uh, our end consumer with as much information as possible where they feel very, co- uh, very concrete about making this purchase. Uh, so all of that comes in there. So you know, they're dealing with things on both ends of knowing more about how crowdfunding platforms work, knowing more about initial sales, manufacturing but also obviously dealing with a little bit more of a crowded market because this is more of a standard go-to-market strategy using a crowdfunding platform, as well as having more knowledgeable end consumers that have now seen these products in different iterations and are now asking different questions to make sure that this is something that uh, is the perfect product for them at the end of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so we mentioned your company's partnership with Arrow, and... The synergy that you two are developing, and and how you're working with startups. Uh, I know CES 2019 is a key step in that relationship and the campaign you have underway. Walk us through where you are today and the months ahead.
1: Uh, sure, yeah. So CES is one of our biggest events of the year, as uh, the consumer hardware space is by far our biggest vertical at Indiegogo. Uh, what we are, where we are now in CES planning, is coming up with. Uh, a whole bunch of different campaigners are going to be part of our actually, our end arrows uh, presence at CES, which is great. People that have used both of our services that are going to be there showing their wares, speaking one-on-one with uh, people that have bought the, per- bought the product or are interested in buying it in the future. Uh, we're really interacting with them in a very early state that's in there. Obviously, everyone that is on the show floor of CES, uh, my team, and Arrow's team is engaging with, so people that haven't actually made a product yet or people that are thinking about possibly running a campaign, we are providing them with feedback, helping them out with support. Arrow is obviously talking to them about uh, you know the electronics that they could be using and things that their engineering team does prior to uh, development of the product uh, that's part of our partnership. Uh, last year, Arrow was actually giving away Arduino devices. I'm not sure. Uh, what the plans are for that but usually there is a giveaway there are things that we're doing to help uh you know engage with people that are walking the show floor and we're just showcasing some of the best startups that have come through our platform uh where they are and having entrepreneurs obviously tell their story and help hoping that that leads other people that are attending the event uh, to do just the same to go out there and make the leap and you know create their own campaigns and their own awesome projects and then hopefully long-term, sustainable companies.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let's switch a little bit from Indiegogo at CES to John Vasquez at CES. (laughs) Uh, This is your fifth CES coming up. You are qualified as a veteran. Um, As I mentioned, this is the largest startup event on the planet. 1,200-plus startups will be in Las Vegas at CES 2019. How do you personally navigate that sector, that audience? How do you make the connections that you feel like you need to make uh, in such a short time?
1: It's a great question because it is a very it's an awesome event. Like anyone that hasn't been there, I highly recommend going. The show floor is very active at all times and there's so much going on. Uh, Obviously, the main portion of my day is being around our booth area, Mm -hmm. but we're in Eureka Park, which is some of the most interesting stuff, in my opinion, at CES, where you're seeing startups from every inch of the earth coming there and showcasing things that you couldn't even imagine actually happening. Like I'm a huge fan of things in the smart home space and just seeing a whole bunch of different automated products there um, at the very beginning of their product life cycle. is something that I personally take a lot of joy in seeing and being able to engage, you know, face to face, with the people that are actually making these products, hearing their story, hearing why they came up with this, hearing the differences between this and the competition and their entire vision on what's going on in there. It's just a atmosphere that you're not really able to get at any other major event. And obviously, that's just one sector of it. For, I believe, all five years of uh, CES that I've attended, I've actually been a speaker as well, which then drives me to other sectors of CES, you know, North Hole and some of the other ones, where you're seeing a lot of the bigger companies that are out there showing off a lot of their different concepts that are super early stage but are basically what the future is going to look like. So there's a nice blend between you know, older, more established companies that are creating very new uh, products and ideas and some very early stage startups. And you kind of get to see how both of those are interacting and seeing a lot of different different engagements, business deals, everything you can imagine happening on the show floor. And obviously there's, you know, a whole bunch of random celebrity sightings that are down there. You know, that You could just randomly bump into I remember I met uh, Shaquille O'Neal two CESs ago, and uh, that was quite the experience meeting him, and uh, you know, there's a random encounter that goes on, things yeah. like that only really happen at CES.
0: Yeah, you know, John, one year I almost literally bumped into Shaq. Um, I'm glad I didn't, I would have been on the floor, <laughs> I think. Given uh, <laughs> uh, he is easy to spot, no, I, though, you can see him coming, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: No, yeah. When, when I was in uh, when I was in second grade, I actually dressed up as Shaq for Halloween. I remember I texted my mom right before, because I still am walking, because he's such a big, you know, giant figure. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you have to go say hi and tell him that you dressed up as Shaq you know, when you're in second grade. So I wound up, you know, saying that to him, and he just basically palmed my head. And we have a photo of that, <laughs> which is just a wild experience. But yeah, that was uh, something. My mom was super happy about it. I was super I was blushing beyond belief, but yeah. it was uh, a funny thing.
0: Yeah, on that topic of CES serendipity, right? <laughs> <laughs> um back uh, aside from um, spotting NBA Hall of Famers at CES, what is what what is your advice to startups who are heading there for the first time, or entrepreneurs who are who are ready to go and, and really dive in and maybe even lean in is the right term, but um, who really want to get the most out of it um, and aren't quite sure how to navigate such uh, a, a tremendous platform for innovation?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too overwhelmed. Obviously, it's you know one of the biggest trade shows in the world. Um, but you know, go there, really walk the floor, and then engage with everybody that you can. You know, what you're going to realize when you're at CES is that people are very forthcoming and are very interested in telling their stories. And you could have some really fruitful conversations that could then become you know business deals, friendships that last forever, things like that. You kind of want to get a little bit out of your comfort zone because everyone's there. Everyone's super proud of the products that they have that they're showing and you should have that level of engagement where, Hey, this person's looking to tell me about it. Let me ask them questions that are in there and then potentially make this a long-term engagement. Mm -hmm. Things like that, you should really just think about instead of just going there and soaking everything in with your eyes. Like, people are you know they're real people they are super interested in sharing you know their stories uh... and their product stories as well
0: yeah and everybody has at one time been a first-timer at ces where we've all been a rookie at some point um, what about the companies that are not so much um, working or checking across the show areas looking for those connections what about those startups who were in eureka park uh, close to where you are throughout the show you know if you're one of the twelve hundred startups who is located there what do you do to get attention, um, to grab the right people, to have the right kinds of conversations, and do so, you know, efficiently?
1: The biggest thing is, you know, smiling and being super positive. You know, you're there for a reason. Obviously, you have a piece of the show floor. It's a very, you know, privileged area to be in. There's only a select amount of people that get to be in Eureka Park. You should just be out there, being super energetic, bringing people by. I'm sure that your product or your company is doing something that's more innovative than anything I could even imagine. So you should have that kind of vibe. Uh, things that you always want to be doing if you're there is having a call to action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be, you know, collecting business cards, having a fishbowl, an iPad, what have you, giveaways, things like that to really draw people in. And then think about what your overall pitch is to your everyday consumer. You know, you're gonna have consumers there, buyers there, uh, advisors, all of that. And that's something you want to have down pretty pretty tight. And then, obviously, you're going to fine-tune it and really see what the engagement is. This is usually companies, one of their first engagements that they have with the everyday public to really see what resonates, what lights their eyes up, and that could then propel you into a lot more information that is golden when you're actually ready. It's more like a giant case study than anything else that you're able to do in real time on the on the show floor of Vegas.
0: Yeah, I, and I want to underscore your point, John, about having that elevator pitch ready. Get it out. Have it honed and deliver it in 20 to 30 seconds if you can, right? Because you you will be giving it many times and you will be sharing it with an audience who will hear pitches many times.
1: Oh, a thousand percent. And by the time you get to day four, you'll have that very tight. <laughs> and then again, yeah. At that point, I highly recommend getting uh, some coffee or Red Bull to try to make sure that's a very energized pitch at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are things that you want to be on, on, on point with.
0: Yeah. <laughs> John, uh, final question for you. As uh, someone who knows CES awfully well and, and knows how to maximize value there, what are you excited to see? What are you looking for at CES 2019? Is it a sector? Is it a suite of companies? Maybe it's a horizontal. What What's on your mind?
1: I always love seeing the international aisles that are in there. You know, mm-hmm. the, the French isles are always super big, and uh, Israel and all those all different countries, they have innovation that typically I don't see. I'm based over here in New York, so a lot of the innovation that I see in person is obviously based in this uh, coast or in San Francisco, and I'm over there for travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the international folk that we work with a lot is doing a lot of amazing innovation. I don't get the same face-to-face time just because of that. But they come in droves, and they have some of the most interesting stuff that I really love engaging with and seeing how they're going. So those are the areas that I love to just circle and just see what's happening there because they're not in my everyday purview. It's just stuff that I'm not seeing in that area. But when I do think about things that are more in the vertical area, yeah, smart home, uh, baby products. I have a, a two-year-old, so I'm super interested in things like that that I could engage with her on. or things that I'm personally latching to. Uh, and things, uh, you know, that are just, you know, you've never seen before. World's first, world's smallest, all those things that really pop. You know, CES is kind of uh, almost like the Guinness Book World now, of World Records now. Like, hey, here are all these new products that are, you know, really breaking through in different ways that you just haven't seen before.
0: I'm sure, with a two-year-old daughter at home, you'll be exceptionally well rested by the time CES 2019 <laughs> rolls around. Oh, <Uh-oh>. you're <laughs> on your way to Las Vegas. Uh, John Vasquez is vice president of hardware outreach with Indiegogo, a platform that entrepreneurs and startups around the world have come to know and and use as well to great uh, effect and efficiency. John. Good to have you with us, and hey, we'll see you in the not too distant future in Las Vegas.
1: See you in Vegas, Tyler.
0: All right, everybody, that is a wrap for this episode. We want you to be CES ready, so be sure and subscribe to the CES Tech Talk podcast. And for all the information you need on CES 2019, once again, January 8th to 11th in Las Vegas, just go to ces.tech. That is CES.Tech. As always, major props and thank yous to our producer, Tina Anthony, and our engineer, John Lindsay. You all are, to me, the best in the business. I almost sung that line. Wow. That's how good they are. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you again in our next episode. I'm Tyler Suiters. Let's talk tech again soon.